Alright, so, um, can you tell me something I really didn't need to know? Hey, Mom, tell me something I didn't need to know. So how about let's learn something we really don't need to know. Hello, everyone. Hello. Hi. Hi, Hi. ladies. Hi. How is everyone? Fantastic. Good. I'm good. Good. Oh, I'm fantastic. I'm always fantastic. Life is always good. Always, always. Welcome to Tell Me Something I Didn't Need to Know. Yeah, I'm Hannah Green. I am Mary Swartz. And I'm Lynn Samuels. Woohoo! We are here to tell you things you didn't need to know. Well, maybe they did need to know them. They just didn't know they needed to know them. No, they don't need to know them. (laughs) No, I realize you don't know what you don't know. Right. But also, they might be better for knowing it. And they just don't know they'll be better for knowing. Are you better for knowing all these things? Most of them, yeah. Okay. Occasionally? Occasionally, no. <laughs> Thanks for spending part of your day with us, guys. Yes, thank you. I think any knowledge makes you a better person. Yeah, you can pass this knowledge on so you're not the only one who knows these things you don't need to know. All this crazy stuff. All right. All right, word of the week, ladies. Word of the week. I have Gyascatus. Gyascatus? Gyascatus is my word of the week. Okay. What is, let's see, Gyascatus. It's a curious person. That would be Hannah. Well, no, I'm not a guy. This is a guy. It's a, it's a curious guy. No? No, not really. All right. So another name for this. Is a side hill gopher. No, a side hill gouger. Sorry, side hill gouger. It's between a gouger and a gopher. There's a little bit of a difference. My eyeballs wasn't seeing the difference there for a minute. A hillside gouger? Yeah. Like a machine that gouges out the hillside to, to mine nope. things? It is an imaginary, large, four legged beast with legs on one side that are longer than those on the other. So that it can walk evenly on the hill. <laughs> where did you find this word? I'm just like curious now. Where I don't this remember. Word... I don't remember where I found this word. Okay. But it's in uh, the Britannica encyclopedia. So. All right. So must be true. It's on the internet. All right. I have a word. <clears throat> All right. Frabjus. Frabjus. That's where I went. Exactly where I went. <coughs> Crab just. That's a date gone wrong Frab. right there. Frab. <laughs> F-R-A-B. Frab. 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 Not crab. F-R-A-B-J-O-U-S. Frab just. Oh. And I assure you, you have both heard this word. No, I've not heard this word. Yes. Yes, you have. And when they tell you, you will know it. It's describing like a behavior or a feeling of something like you're acting very frabjous. Yes, it is. All right. Um, Quarrelsome. Is it like quarrelsome? Kind of like somebody who just can't get along with people? Nope. Would you like me to tell you the origin of the word? Sure. The origin is author Lewis Carroll. Yes, Alice in Wonderland. Okay. One uh, in, in the second book, they talk about the Frabjus Day. 
There was more than one book? Yeah, the second one was called Through the Looking Glass. Oh. Frabjous means delightful or joyous. Hmm. As in, the group was excited to attend the Frabjous wedding. I think it would have been easier to say happy. Okay. Frabjous. I We're think I'm delightful. I'm delightful. I'm Frabjous. I'm always delightful. We're all Frabjous. The gnarly wedding. All right. Lynn, have you a word for us? I have a word for us. My word is volatant. Volatant? Volatant. That's that note that you send to your coworkers via a bullet? Taunting them. <laughs> hmm. And it's vol with a V. Vol. Volatant. Oh, volatant. Volatant. I'm sorry. I, I realized where I was like, bullet, where'd you get bullet? And then I'm like, oh, I bet she thought I said volatant. No, it's vol. Volatant. Volatant. Well, a vol is like an ugly little rodent creature. It is. It is. Ooh, is this when is this when the voles invade your yard and they taunt you? Ha ha ha, you can't catch us. <laughs> they pop out all you see their little hand going. <laughs> <laughs> like whack-a-mole. They just keep popping up. Boing, boing, boing. <laughs> there you go. That's you our run vol. around your yard with a shovel trying to hit them. That's yes. our volatile right there. Yes. What's your volatile? That was it. I, I, I'm just stopping. You've got nothing better than that. I do not. Okay. It's having the power of flight. Not a guess that. Obviously, we would not have guessed that. That is a great word. Yeah, volatile. Super good word. I wish I were volatile. Me too. I yes, Anna wishes plane. you were volatile. My, I hope my plane is very volatile. Yes. <laughs> All right. I have a tidbit, Mary. Have you a tidbit? I do. Go ahead with yours. A Maryland homeowner had a rather unfortunate accident lately. Uh Uh-oh. Recently. Uh Uh-oh. I'm not really sure how to explain that one to the insurance agent. While trying to scare off a den of snakes, Hmm. the homeowner burned their house down. She did not get a flamethrower. That's what Lynn would have done if it was spiders. She'd... Lynn, listen carefully. You're going to have to explain this to your insurance agent someday. It happened around 10 p.m. on November 23rd of this year. Well, last year. Last year. I have no idea what year we're in at this point. November 23rd of 2021. Okay. The That's homeowner thought that they could use smoke to clear out the snakes. <laughs> so they sat under their house and smoked cigarettes? Nope. I'll get there. The fire caused around a million dollars in damages, and it took 75 firefighters to put the fire out. Here's the question. Are the snakes still there? Fire began in the basement where the homeowner was attempting to use hot coals to create smoke that they believed would chase off the snakes. Apparently, the hot coals caught something on fire. Imagine that. No humans were injured, but the status on the snakes is unclear. However, at least one snake was caught exiting the foundation of the home and relocated. So at least it worked, it worked for at least one of them. It should be noted that snakes can hold their breath from anywhere for, <laughs> from 10 minutes to two hours, depending on the species of the snake. <laughs> I could not find anything that told me what species of snakes had invaded this homeowner's house. 
But honestly, I saw the pictures. This was a very large, very, very nice house. You figure a million dollars in damage. Wouldn't it have just been better to call a professional? That's what I was going to say. Take your family to a hotel if you don't want to stay there that night. But obviously, the snakes have been there for a while. So you've been sleeping on top of them and call a professional. And then I had this thought. Unless. Unless your dad, because dad would have done this. No, dad wouldn't have burned well, it. Well, dad would have known that snakes, they're not bothered by smoke. Smoke is not going to make snakes. Actually, some away. snakes, like copious amounts of smoke can. Okay. But it really depends on the species of the snake. I did look it up. Smoke is used as a snake repellent. Citronella is used as a uh, repellent for mosquitoes, but I don't believe it works. So, you know. Just because yeah. humans do it doesn't mean it's intelligent or does work. Yeah. Okay. A million dollars in damage and they're out of house. Yep. Okay. So we're going to go to a happy place now. Oh, thank God. We're going to Hawaii. Oh, I love Hawaii. But we have a little sad news. Uh-oh. There's some sad news going around in Hawaii. It the, snowed for the, there? For the teenagers. Oh, I was going to say it snowed there recently. A stream in Hawaii that was noticed because it stinks like beer Oh, <laughs> has been discovered to have a 1.2% alcohol by volume percentage. And the storm pipe responsible for boozing up the water has now been shut off. Aww. They were calling it the party stream. The party stream was investigated and detailed in an article. It was first noticed by Carol Cox, an environmental activist who informed the state's department of health about the water after coming upon a creek and describing its smell as something like a beer pub that hadn't opened its doors for three or four days. Can you imagine that phone call? You get this phone call and there's just this woman on the other end going, um, yeah, hi. So I found a creek and it smells a like lot beer. like beer. Have you been drinking, ma'am? It's the creek water. <clears throat> Paradise Beverages stated that it was not aware of the spill. How can you lose that much liquid and not know, honestly? Right? Were they discharging something they shouldn't have been and they didn't want to get busted? Uh, I would say it is some kind of discharge, yeah. They're now working with public officials to investigate how the precious alcohol ended up being made freely available to everyone. And I'm sure the teenagers were having a good time. The pipe is apparently closed up now, meaning that the party stream is already winding its operations down. This is good news for the environment, of course, but real tragedy for local teenagers who had been able to enjoy slurping up handfuls of free beer water and the wildlife <clears throat> who found a brief refuge from the demands of their lives by having a surprisingly relaxing new watering hole. Oof. All right. Yeah. Do we really think the teenagers were drinking the water? Yeah. You were a teenager once, you would have. Beer water? No, thank you. Well, you've never been a real big beer drinker either. But even if you were, it's water, watered beer, like. Hey, 1.2%. One it's over the alcohol limit, okay? Flat watered beer. It's like PBR. Yeah. Well, 45. Made it even tasted better. And it's free. And it's free. We know people that would have been there. They'd have brought their... Blankets, sleeping bags, cots, tents. Well, I was thinking, I wonder if a light, you know, so we have a life straw. Yeah, that would it, work. it filters impurities out of your water. You can drink straight out of a stream. You think it's, it would, how, how do you think it would work that way? 
Okay, but here, here's the other thought is beer is alcohol. Alcohol sterilizes stuff. Well, no, no, no. I was saying, do you think <clears throat> it would taste like water or do you think it still tastes like beer water? Beer water. <laughs> I think you can test this really easy. Go get a beer, mix it, what, half and half with water, and then use your life straw and see what happens. You can be like myth busters. I did, have, I did test my life straw when I got it to see how well it worked. I mixed cinnamon in some water. It filters it out. But cinnamon doesn't, like, it's not microscopic and stuff. No, so no, but know. it was, it's really fine. That was like, I just it wanted to see, really like, super fine. I wanted to see if it would, like, filter out, like, dirt and sand and that kind of, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. See, the dirt and sand don't scare me. It's the things you can't see. Like, that scare me. I, I, yeah, I know. You have some personal experience with that. Hmm. Yeah. All right. I think God has a solution. Yeah. I think Holly has a story she's going to tell us today. I have a story. You ready for a story? What are we drinking, ladies? I am drinking Earl Grey cream tea. I am drinking a peach mango tea. And I'm drinking coffee. Our coffee drinking sister. I know. I love her cup, though. I know. I always love her cup. This cup? Yeah, it's yeah. pretty. It's very it's pretty. My love, love juice cup. <laughs> <laughs> Good to know. Good to know. Too funny. All right. And on with the story. I'm fairly certain that most people across the entire planet have heard of Charles Lindbergh at one point in time or another. For most, the story of the, his famous flight aboard the Spirit of St. Louis probably comes to mind. Or perhaps the tragic kidnapping and the death of his infant son. I just have to interrupt you. Yes. I'm actually working on a story on the Spirit of St. Louis. Okay, well, it won't be this story. nothing to do with whatever you're talking about. Okay, good to know. Good to know. I hope it doesn't anyway. <laughs> well, this story really isn't about the, the Spirit of St. Louis. Mine is. Okay. Okay. So what if I told you that the truth of Charles Lindbergh, the man known as Lucky Lindy, is so much more complicated than most of us know? Charles Lindbergh was born on February 4th, 1902 in Detroit, Michigan. I didn't know that. He was the only child born to Charles August Lindbergh, who was actually born Carl's Manson, Carl Manson, by the way. He was from Sweden. And Evangeline Lodge Land. But he did have three older half-sisters on his father's side. He spent most of his childhood growing up in Little Falls, Minnesota, and Washington, D.C. When he was four years old, his father was elected to the U.S. House of Representatives. His father served five terms. Before his political career was over, his father was actually accused of sedition for speaking out against World War I and writing an anti-war pamphlet called, Why is Your Country at War? His mother was a chemistry teacher. His parents ultimately separated when he was nine years old. Lindbergh would learn to fly at Nebraska Aircraft Corporation in Lincoln, Nebraska. He actually spent about two years working as a stuntman and an aerial daredevil. He would shock and wow crowds with acts of wing walking, parachuting, and mid-air plane changes where he would climb out of one plane and into another. And nothing wrong could ever happen with something like that. So this is, this is we're talking Charles Lindbergh, the famous aviator. I, I know. <laughs> I know. Oh, but it gets better. He was able to purchase his own plane and he became one of the nation's top stunt pilots. He was known for twisting his plane in complicated loops and spins or even for shutting down the plane engine at 3,000 feet and gliding to the ground. It was these stunts that gained him the nickname of Lucky Lindy. Lindbergh left the aerial stunt world behind him, and he joined the U.S. Army. He spent time as a U.S. Army flyer, a test pilot, 
and an airmail pilot. He actually went on to survive four different crashes by bailing out and floating safely to the ground below. Now, I'm not sure what the details of any of these crashes are or where they happened, but it did occur to me that given his history, was he doing something to help cause these crashes? That went through my head too. And if so, did he somehow think that surviving them would turn him into a hero? I just have questions. It's also worth noting, though, that Lindbergh was openly opposed to World War II. In the military, opposed to World War II. His dad was a U.S. representative, and his dad was opposed to the war. Right. And at one point in time, he actually was often the target of Dr. Seuss's, like when Dr. Seuss first started, like, being known and stuff, he wasn't really writing children's books. He was writing cartoons. Okay. And Charles Lindbergh was quite often like the butt of his cartoons. Okay. He was like a target in his cartoons. Now, after Lindbergh left the military, he served as a consultant to the U.S. Air Force and to Pan American World Airways. He went on to win the hearts of people worldwide with his transatlantic flight in May of 1927. Despite the fact that he is so famous for this flight, it actually was not the first transatlantic flight to occur. It was, however, the first solo, nonstop transatlantic flight. It went from Long Island, New York to Paris, France. The flight took him 33 and a half hours to complete in the single engine monoplane called the Spirit of St. Louis. During the flight, Lindbergh suffered from hallucinations and mirage-like effects. He claimed that the apparitions he saw spoke to him. The extra gas tank that had to be installed in the plane in order to make this flight possible completely blocked the windshield of the plane, which means that he guided this plane by periscope while hallucinating. I wish you could see the look on Mary's face words right now for the ridiculousness of this person. Oh, yeah. So this flight made him one of the most famous men on earth at that time. He received millions of letters from people everywhere. More than a thousand miles of parades were marched in his honor. He received multiple awards and medals because of the flight. In January 1928, he was named Time's magaz- Time Magazine's first ever man of the year. And to this day, he remains the youngest man to ever receive that title. Wow. He received the Silver Buffalo Award, the highest Boy Scouts of America award ever given. He was appointed to the National Advisory Committee for Aeronautics in 1929 by U.S. President Hoover. He received a Medal of Honor. There was a prize for being the first person to complete that flight. The prize was $25,000. That was a lot of money. That was a shit ton of money back then. That prize, coupled with the various gifts, awards, projects, books, etc., that he was awarded and which came as a result of the flight, made Charles Lindbergh a man worth more than a million dollars. Now, after returning to America, Lindbergh joined a Goodwill tour. While in Mexico as part of the tour, Lindbergh met Anne Morrow, the daughter of the U.S. Ambassador Dwight Morrow. They were married just two months later on May 27, 1929, in Inglewood, New Jersey. America's most eligible bachelor was no longer on the market. In 1930, 
he was awarded the Congressional Gold Medal. The Lindberghs went on to have six children together. Charles Jr., their firstborn, was born in 1930. He would go on to famously be kidnapped and killed. There was John Lindbergh, born in 1932, Land Morrow Lindbergh in 1937, Anne Spencer Lindbergh in 1940, Scott Lindbergh in 1942, and Reeve Lindbergh in 1945. On March 1st of 1932, the famous kidnapping of the Lindbergh baby made the news. Al Capone, also known as Scarface, even offered his assistance in finding the baby. At the time, Capone was awaiting a transfer to prison on charges of tax evasion. He put up $10,000 in reward money for information leading to the arrest of the kidnappers. He said, I know how Mrs. Capone and I would feel if our son was kidnapped. Sadly, as most people know, the kidnapping ended in tragedy in May of that year when the body of the little boy was found just a few miles from the Lindbergh home. And in the end, someone was arrested and convicted of, of the crime, although there to this day remains some questions and doubts about the whole thing. The kidnapping prompted the laws that made a kidnapping that crosses state lines a federal offense. Lindbergh went on to help invent an early form of the artificial heart. Known for his hands-on approach to repairing his airplane, he used those skills to help those around him. He had gained an interest in biology, inspired by the health battles of his sister-in-law, Elizabeth, who struggled with severe heart issues. Lindbergh teamed up with French surgeon, Alexis Carroll, who won the Nobel Peace Prize. In the early 30s, they worked on a way to keep organs alive outside of the human body. And in 1935, they developed a perfusion pump made of Pyrex glass that was capable of moving air and fluids through a removed organ to keep the organ working and infection-free outside of the human body. That's pretty impressive. This breakthrough invention actually helped to pave the way for the development of the very first artificial organs and more specifically, the artificial heart. Now in 1935, the Lindberghs actually moved their family to Europe to escape all of the continued hysteria and attention, attention that had resulted from the kidnapping. Right. They did, however, return to the U.S. in 1939. Now, later in life, Lindbergh became concerned with environmental issues, and he campaigned to protect various animals, including whales, eagles, and buffalo. He helped fight to protect various tribes and to establish the Haleakala National Park in Hawaii. What an amazing man who did so much good, but... There's almost always that side that you don't see, that you don't know. And Charles Lindbergh was no different. You see, Charles Lindbergh had a really big secret because when Charles Lindbergh was in his 50s, he fell in love with a younger woman, 31-year-old Bridget Hesthamer. She was a hat maker who lived in London, and they began to have an affair, an affair that lasted until Lindbergh died. The secret affair would bring three children into the world, Dirk, Astrid, and David. Lindbergh would visit three times a year. The children did not know that he was their father. He was introduced to them as Mr. Corot Kent. But it doesn't stop there. Because at the same time that he was having an affair with Bridget, he was also having an affair with Bridget's sister, Marietta. Oh, wow. They went on to have two children together, Vago and Christopher. And his identity was kept a secret from them as well. It's insane. I just think Thanksgiving at their house must have been a little awkward. 
<laughs> yeah, well, you think that's shitty. Keep in mind, he was still married to Anne. He was still playing the happy and devoted husband and, and father back in the U.S. But wait, because there's more. Wow. Charles Lindbergh was also having an affair with his private secretary, Valeska. They also had two children together. Those children's names, I can't find. They seem to be publicly unknown, and that's okay. Right. So if you are keeping count, that is, in fact, 13 children with four women. Somehow he managed to keep this all under wraps. It seems that no one knew the whole story, except for Lindbergh. Right. None of the women in his life seemed to know about each other. Even the two sisters. Even the two sisters. That is crazy. That doesn't even make sense. So how do you hide this that well? My only thought is that media and the internet, you know, the internet didn't exist and media wasn't quite the invasive parasite that it is now. Because today I cannot imagine that he could have pulled this off. No, I'm sure he couldn't have. It appears that he spent very little time with any of his children. Even the children that he had with Anne only spent a few months each year in his presence. Now, shortly before he died, Lindbergh wrote a letter to each of the three secret women. He asked each of them to keep their secret. And all three women did just that. In the 1990s, Astrid finally confronted her mother, Bridget, about the truth. Bridget didn't reveal anything right away, but eventually she gave in and Astrid learned the truth of her parentage. Bridget swore Astrid to secrecy, at least until Bridget died. Bridget died in 2001. More than 150 letters and photos from Lindbergh to Bridget still exist. Wow. Now, in the summer of 2003, Bridget's children broke the silence, sharing the secret of their father. They made no claim against the Lindbergh estate, but they wanted to go public to verify the family relationship prior to publishing a book about the story. In 2003, DNA testing confirmed that Lindbergh was the father of Dirk, Astrid, and David. The book was published. The book is called Dos Doppelven des Charles A. Lindbergh, which is translated to The Double Life of Charles A. Lindbergh. It was published in Germany in 2005. Now, say the title again, huh? Dos Doppelben des Charles A. Lindbergh. That's interesting because I know doppelganger is like a person who looks like, you know what I mean? Like a doppelganger or somebody. Like a double. Yeah. Like, it's like a double. 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 So, yeah. Double so Ben. Doppel, doppelben. Yeah. That's <laughs> interesting. Yes. Reeve Lindbergh, the youngest of the children that Anne had with Charles, wrote about the revelations of the affair and about connecting with her newfound siblings in an essay that was published in 2009 in her book, Forward From Here, Leaving Middle Age and Other Unexpected Adventures. She wrote, I have the feeling that he was the only person involved with all of these families who knew the full truth. And I keep thinking that by the time he died in 1974, my father had made his life so complicated that he had to keep each part separate from the other parts. I don't know why he lived this way, and I don't think I ever will know. But what it means to me is that every intimate human connection my father had during his later years was fractured by secrecy. Yeah. So the other two families that he had children with have never spoken publicly about any of this. Charles Lindbergh died of lymphoma in Maui, Hawaii in 1974. He is buried in Kipahula, Hawaii, or Kipahula, Maui. There are several U.S. airports that are still named after him. He was a very intelligent man who did great things for this planet. 
that I cannot help but wonder how much of his life was spent torn by the great weight of the secrets that he chose to carry. Good point. You can't really thoroughly 100% enjoy anything when you're keeping that many secrets from that many people. Can you imagine? Always worried about slipping up. But don't worry about it. I think sometimes people have so much hubris. I mean, think about his past stuff, all the things he did. Yeah, maybe he just thought that he was above it and it wouldn't matter even if they found out. But if that's the case, then why bother to even hide it? Well, and, and what we're doing here, too, is we are we are putting our way of handling things yes. on him. Yes. And I'm just thinking that as a the guy, I mean, when you describe <clears throat> some of his stunts and stuff are very dangerous, like an adrenaline junkie. Yeah, yeah, it's very much sounds like an adrenaline junkie. Yeah. So to me, that relationship thing that he's doing is another adrenaline rush. Yeah. And I know people like that who have, you know, done stuff and, and had affairs and kept secret lives. And yes, and adrenaline seems to be a motivating factor. So, yeah, perhaps you're right. Perhaps it didn't weigh on him, but none of us will ever know. I'm astounded that he was able to not only because by the time, I mean, the internet existed in the nineties and in 2000, um, but he died in 1974. So, Mm -hmm. but it still amazes me that all three of those women kept his secret. Well, I think back then the embarrassment of it would have been, my guess is they were decent women and coming out would have created a scandal for them and their children. Yeah, possibly. All right. Yeah. So there you go. The secret life of Charles Lindbergh. Quite interesting. All kinds of stuff we didn't know. I was going to say he was a very volient person. (laughs) He had the ability to fly. Yes. You know, and that's the other thing is travel and flight and things like that weren't nearly as easy and common and accessible for people for the for the majority of people back then. Right. So for him to have, you know, multiple women, it may be the fact that he could travel like that made it easier. Quite possibly. Yeah. Or he just would have done that wherever he was at. Yeah. Hard to say. Closer to home. Yeah. I just thought it was really interesting. There was so much I didn't know about him. Oh, I, yeah. When I thought about him, it was like, oh, yeah, he did that that flight thing and his kid got kidnapped. That was about the extent of what I knew about him. Yeah, because I talked about him briefly in the um, when I did the story on the other podcast about the Bath School Massacre. Yeah, that happened about the same time. But no, I actually I'm researching um, a spirit of St. Louis story. Interesting. Yeah. Very cool. Yes. So thanks everybody who stopped by and spent part of your day with us. Yay. We hope you enjoyed the story today. So you can find us on Facebook and tell me something I didn't need to know. You can find us at Gmail at TMSIDNTK. So if you have ideas, thoughts, comments, suggestions, shoot them at us at our Gmail. And you can also find us on Twitter at TMSIDNTK. And if you enjoyed your short stop with us, feel free to follow the podcast. Leave us a rating and review. Yeah, it's very helpful. It is. It truly is. Feel free to share the podcast. Um, Feel free to share any of our posts that you see. And if you feel like cross-advertising with us, just hit us up. Let us know. We'll be glad to cross-advertise with you. Absolutely. Anything else, ladies? 
I got nothing aware of. All right. We got another one in the can. I know. Thanks, ladies. Yeah, thank you. Have a great week, guys. And stay mischievous. Oh, yeah. We love you. Bye. Bye. It's not sane. It's not sane.